Sun Life Community Church came into being as the result of a compelling vision for a different kind of church, interested in what we call the Sun Life, experiencing and sharing the life of God's Son. Perhaps your heart is burdened these days. We invite you to allow the Word of God through the words of this message to bring rest to your soul and joy to your heart. Let's pray in prayer, shall we? Heavenly Father, we ask now that the Spirit that inspired this amazing Word of God that I'm holding in my hand might enlighten us, us today. <clears throat> Allow us to understand. Let its truth speak to our hearts. May we be changed even as we sang. Changed and made ready. Strengthened so that we might serve you well and be recognized as yours. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we continue in our short little Advent season series. We call it Promise of the Ages. We've been identifying some of the promises that are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. In the coming of Christ, in the ministry of Christ, in the things that yet are ahead of Christ that he will accomplish in and on this world. Today we come to the fifth of eight that we're going to be discussing. So far we have seen that Jesus is the promised devil destroyer. That promise was given to Eve and Adam right in the Garden of Eden. That someday this serpent, his head would be crushed. He would be removed from the entire picture. Men would never have to deal with him again. Jesus was the promised devil destroyer. Jesus was the promised sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice. A promise whispered to Abraham's heart when he was laying his son Isaac upon the altar and, the, and he said, Isaac, God will provide the lamb. God will provide the sacrifice. And, and as the centuries went by, God provided that one on Calvary's cross. Jesus has been the promised truth-teller that Moses said, there will arise a prophet like me one day who speaks face-to-face -face with God and does mighty works. And not since the days of, of Moses until the coming of Jesus Christ was there such a prophet, such a spokesman for God, such a miracle worker for God. Jesus was the fulfillment of that. And then last week we saw... Jesus will be the promised world ruler one day. One day he will sit on the throne in Jerusalem over the millennial kingdom, a kingdom of a great glory and, and awesomeness that will extend on this world for a thousand years, the last thousand years of this world's history. And then will come the new heaven and the new earth. So today we, we look at promise number five. <clears throat> represented by this little gift box here. And the card says, the promise of the ages, promise five. It's found in Isaiah 61, one. And we read it this way. I will send him, the, pr 
promised one. I will send him to bind up the brokenhearted. That's a bittersweet promise, is it not? It's sweet because there's one who is coming who will bind up those who are brokenhearted and make them whole and, and joyful again. It's bitter because it lets us know times come when our hearts can be broken in this fallen world. And when they break, they need to be bound up. They need to be remedied. They need to be healed. And God says, I will send one. I will send one who will do that. Here is what that one will say. Isaiah gave us his words. Now we just read right from Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2, parts of it. He will say when he comes, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. That's what this promised one will say. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Now that passage goes on to tell some other things that this one will do. But our focus today is on that phrase. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Brokenhearted. We can define that as being overwhelmed with grief or disappointment. On the verge of despair or perhaps even a a serious depression. Brokenhearted. It can happen. Life can break our hearts. Circumstances can bring us to that place where we're so overwhelmed with grief, with disappointment, feelings of despair and even depression. Life can bring us there. And God says, I know. In a fallen world, in a broken world, hearts can break. But I promise. I promise, he says, I will send one who can bind up the brokenhearted. I tell you, my friends, only God's grace, only God's divine grace can accomplish such a thing. Only one whom God himself has sent can bring such healing to the brokenhearted. Jesus was that one. Jesus was that one during the days that he walked upon the earth. He came well equipped for the task. And as we prepare to have communion with him this morning, let me just share just a few thoughts briefly about the marvelous ability that Jesus Christ demonstrated to do this very thing. And how well prepared he was for it, how well equipped and so from his life of ministry, I just share three, three brief observations this morning. Things we see from his time that he spent on the earth. Number one, Jesus, when he was on this earth, was filled to overflowing with compassion. If someone's going to bind up the brokenhearted, it needs to be someone who can feel with that brokenhearted one, who can understand Sympathize, empathize. Here we read in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, it says, And when he, that is Jesus, saw the crowds, all the people, 
every one of them unique, every one of them with a situation in their life, and some of them who were right at that point of desperation, who came out to hear the prophet, hoping desperately they would receive something that could heal them, could help them, could get them through another day even. And Jesus says when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. All of those in his own day who were weighed down by the burdens of life found that he sympathized with them. Think of the desperate leper who approached him. The leper that nobody else would even get near. The leper who was required by law to shout out in a loud voice whenever he came close to a city, whenever he came close to where people were, he had to shout out, unclean, unclean. I have something that could ruin your life if you got nearer to me. An infectious disease. And that desperate leper one day came to Jesus Christ knowing that this was a different man from any other he had ever encountered. And the Bible says Jesus was filled with compassion when he saw him. That desperate leper who then was healed. Think of the distraught father of a demon-possessed son who came to Jesus begging for help. Think of the persistent mother who asked only for the crumbs that fall from the master's table knowing that even the little crumbs that, that of grace that Jesus might just cast her direction would be enough to meet her daughter's need. Think of Mary and Martha, whose brother Lazarus had just died. And Jesus came to visit them too late to help him, to heal him. So they thought, and he looks into their eyes with eyes of compassion and a heart of compassion as they were brokenhearted for sure. And then think about him meeting with the disciples. The disciples who had watched him suffer and die and actually believed that was the end of it. And he met with them. Even Thomas, who said, unless I actually see him with my own eyes, touching with my own hands, I'm not going to believe anything you fellows tell me. And Jesus then appears to Thomas and gently with compassion says, Thomas, come and satisfy yourself. Touch me. Touch me as much as you want. Stick your hand right in this hole in my side. Whatever it takes to make you sure that this is me and I have been raised from the dead you come. I'm not going to berate you. I'm going to identify with what you're feeling. You see, in every case, he felt what they were feeling. He knew that they were no longer alone. They did. The old song says, some of you have sung this one, the line, no one understands like Jesus. No one understands like Jesus. The songwriter knew that. Generations of believers have understood that, and caught up in his compassionate understanding, all these people received healing of heart. Now, years later, 
the writer of the book of Hebrews would point out that Jesus is our great high priest, is able to sympathize with us in our weaknesses. Anybody here have any? Any weaknesses? Are you just strong and ready to go today? Can you remember a day you felt weak? Hebrews says, our high priest, who is the perfect son of God, can nevertheless sympathize with us in our weaknesses. He has the ability to feel along with us. He understands the human condition. He understands the way our hearts can be affected by the brokenness of life. And so he does not stand apart from us, but he enters empathetically into all of life's most difficult moments with us. Through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Through that other one, that other one like me, he said that he would send. He is with us. He companions us continually, and his compassion is felt, and healing of heart can come. So whatever your circumstance might be this morning, the Lord Jesus shares your heart's burden. He knows and he cares, and in that knowing and caring, our hearts can rest and be renewed. Jesus was so wonderfully equipped for this ministry to be the fulfillment of this promise because, first of all, he was filled to overflowing with compassion. Secondly, we see Jesus was filled to overflowing with confidence. With confidence. Those who were weighed down by the burdens of life found that he looked, he always looked far beyond their present circumstance. He saw everything in light of the plans and purposes of God that could not and would not be thwarted. And he brought that confident perspective into every heartbreaking circumstance. Isaiah announced that this promised one in the verse we read, he would proclaim good news. And good news always has an onward look. Good news always lifts our eyes from the distress around us and directs them toward the future that God is preparing for us. Jesus knew, even as the Apostle Paul would later discover, that God works in everything. Even in the things that break our heart. God works in everything to produce that which is good for those of us who love him and have been called by him to salvation. And so Jesus told his own disciples the very night that he would be betrayed, the very night that all of them would forsake him and you could say could break his heart. And when they look back upon that night, it surely broke theirs. They say, we just turned tail and ran. Some of us even said we would never do that, and yet when the soldiers arrived, we ran. Peter would look back upon that night and say, in addition to running, I denied him. 
Three times I told people that I didn't even know who he was. In fact, there was that horrible time well, I was trying to make the point because they wouldn't believe me. They thought I, uh, my accent gave me away as one of his, and, and I had to call upon just the, the most powerful argument I could give, and so I just cursed and swore and said, I don't know him. You've got the wrong man. And yet that very night, that very night when Jesus knew what they were going to do, and later on when they looked back to that night, they would remember it was on that night Jesus said this, John 14, 1-2. He says, do not let your heart be troubled. Do not let your heart be troubled. You trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus looked beyond the cross. They're going to see him dying horribly. And he's saying, that's just me going to do what comes next. That's the way I get there. On that cross, I'm going to release my spirit into my father's care. And eventually, I'm going to enter into the father's presence. And I'm going to begin preparing the future for all of you. A place for you. Jesus was always tuned in to the larger plan and purposes of God the Father. Therefore, he was filled to overflowing with confidence in his heavenly Father's wisdom and ways. Confidence that brings health and healing to the human heart. You and I can allow the Holy Spirit himself, the one that Christ sent to be with us, we can allow the Holy Spirit to create that very sense of confidence in the wisdom and ways and the plans of God and allow it to just take charge of our hearts. Here's the third thing, final observation this morning. Jesus was not only filled to overflowing with compassion, filled with overflowing with, uh, with confidence in the plans and the purposes of God, he was filled to overflowing with competence. He really knew what he was doing. Those who were weighed down by the burdens of life, they found that he was incredibly capable of actually healing their hearts. And they were changed when they left his presence. His words, his presence, his spirit restored them to wholeness. Here's what two of them said. It's recorded in Luke chapter 24, verse 32. They said, were not our hearts burning within us, like set on fire, excited, while he talked with us? You probably remember who said that. That's what those two heartbroken disciples said after Jesus spent Easter afternoon with them as they journeyed down the road to Emmaus. They thought he was still dead. They didn't recognize him. And yet he began to share with them the truth of God about how the Son of God, the Messiah himself, had to suffer, had to lay himself down as a sacrifice for, for the sins of the world, for their sins. He went all the way back to Moses, the first prophet, and it says he walked them through the scriptures as they walked along the path, and, and he told them things. 
He told them the things that they were grieving over will become the very things they rejoice in. God has done this for us. In a moment, we're going to gather, as it were, around the Lord's table and take communion, and we are not going to grieve the fact that Jesus died. And such horrible things happened to him. We're going to rejoice that Jesus, the Son of God, willingly laid down his life in payment for our sins. And we might find ourselves thinking and saying, man, it seems like my heart's on fire. It's like it's a brand new piece of good news that I'm hearing all over again. He died for me. My sins were paid for by him. And as I trust in him as Savior and Lord, God says, my sins are forgiven, are taken away, gone forever, no longer held against me. Oh, did not our hearts burn with us? Because by the time Jesus got done telling the story, they were at home and they sat around their table and Jesus took some bread and broke it and thanked God for it. And right at that moment, it was like, him. Their eyes were open. And the temperature of their heart went up even higher. It's him. It's not just somebody who told us all the truth, which was exciting enough, but it's him. He's alive. He did come back from the grave. Jesus bound up their broken heart in such a marvelous way that they got up and ran all the way back to Jerusalem seven miles or so to tell the others the good news. You see, later on, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly where, but Peter bound up, the, or Jesus bound up the broken heart of the Apostle Peter. Peter, who probably never wanted to look Jesus in the face again, probably thought he never could look Jesus in the face again. Peter, who denied him, denied him, denied him, and yet somehow, Scripture just has one short little statement and says, and Jesus had met with Simon. And we know about later on, the Simon, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me? But prior to that, there was a meeting with Simon that bound up his broken heart and restored him to the fellowship and to the Savior. I have no doubt that Jesus, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, regularly administered heart renewal to the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, who had persecuted Christ's church, and even per participated in the death of Stephen, I am sure that Paul was prone to bouts of heart sickness throughout his entire life. Every time he would remember the resume that he had gained of open opposition to Christ. Remember when Paul wrote and said, I'm the least of all the apostles, for I persecuted Christ's church. 
I believe Paul's heart regularly accused him. And as he thought about those things, his heart broke over how, how could he have been so blind to actually persecute those who believed in Christ and call Jesus Christ a blasphemer and a false prophet. And yet Jesus met with him. And I would believe on more than one occasion the Holy Spirit had to, had to bind a little bit of the Apostle Paul back together. Because he was a man in the flesh just like we are. Paul might well be the patron saint of all those who have come to Christ after years of rejection. And if you're one of those, you know how often you replay your prior, your pre-Christian days. And there are things you say, how could I? How could I? I can't believe I ever. And your heart just can be crushed. You'll be heartbroken all over again over how you treated those who love Christ. And the things that you said about Christians, the things you said about God, the things you said and did, the sins you committed. The Apostle Paul said, there's nothing you've done that can compare to what I did. And Jesus says, and anytime I think about it, my heart is like in a vice and it's like crushed. I say, Saul, how could you? How could you? How could you? And then the Spirit whispers to me, but Jesus has healed you. He's given you a new heart, a heart that loves him, a heart that serves him, a heart that's committed to him, a heart that's been healed and put together. And Paul winds up once again saying, by the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, we are what we are. People whose hearts have been bound up from its brokenness to a glory, a gloriousness in our relationship to Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who does that, does that by his spirit for us, Paul, of course, was not the last to find Jesus Christ to be a heart healer. You might be here right now and need some healing of heart. Maybe because of some grievous sin. Most likely not. Most likely because of some sin, some brokenness in the world that has broken you right now. And your heart has taken a shot. And Jesus Christ would say, let me heal that. Trust me. Let me heal that. I can't definitely tell you everything about the circumstance, but I can tell you I feel with you right now. The brokenness of this world is a, can be a heart-crushing thing. I feel that with you. Trust me. Trust me. There is a, a work of God going on, invisible to you, 
trust me. Let me, let me put faith, trust, confidence back within you. Let me bind up that which is broken until you find joy and praise in me again. That's what he came to be. One of the things he came to be, to bind up the brokenhearted. And he would do that for us. So our final thought just says this. Our promise of the ages, Jesus, is the long-promised heart healer. Those who truly trust Jesus with their broken heart discover that their heart is broken no longer. That's by the grace of God. But thanks to the grace of God, it can happen. And you can feel his loving hands upon you, strengthening you, renewing you, letting you know there's a a future beyond this moment. Let's pray that such is the case. Our Heavenly Father, We recognize, the prophet of old recognized. Why else would a phrase like this be in that prophetic word? That he will come. The Spirit of the Lord will be upon him. He will preach the good news. And somehow part of that good news is that those who are brokenhearted will be bound up. He will enter into their circumstance. Enter into the very heart of them and bring healing and strength and new new belief and peace. And yes, even joy in the Lord Jesus himself. Joy in the wisdom and ways of God. Joy in the fact that As we trust God, we can rest. This we ask for each of us now in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope this message has inspired you to live the sun life together with us. If you are near Apple Valley, California this weekend, we invite you to join us in person Sunday morning or through our live broadcast. All the details are on our website at Sun Life Community Church. Dot com.